Let us pray. O God, it is well indeed. For you have given us life and new life in Christ. As you have given us gifts, so we offer ourselves that we may be gifts to one another and to the world, even as Jesus so taught and lived. Amen. And you may be seated. Our gospel reading this morning is from Matthew, chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. When Jesus became aware of this, he departed. Many crowds followed him, and he cured all of them, and he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not wrangle or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will have hope. May God continue to bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and minds and souls be pleasing unto you this day and always. Amen. And in his name, the Gentiles will have hope. What a change we see in Jesus in these middle passages of Matthew. Well, a few weeks ago, Catherine shared the story of Jesus referring to the Gentiles as dogs. And as she said, a cringeworthy reference coming from the Son of God. And in just a few verses before this story that we just heard, Jesus sends out the twelve but says, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. Well, by the end of the story that Catherine referenced, Jesus had made a radical shift, moved by the Gentile woman's faith who wanted Jesus to heal her daughter. And by the time he's arrived in today's story, he remembers the words of the prophet Isaiah that he is to fulfill. I will, will proclaim justice to the Gentiles and in his name, they will have hope. As Catherine pointed out, may we all be so teachable. Well, the disciple Matthew is another wonderful example of a conversion story. Matthew, as you may know, was not a good boy. He may have been a good old boy, but he was certainly not a good boy. He was a collaborator with the oppressive imperial Roman occupation. He was on the side of the bad guys and represented everything that was wrong and evil during the dark days of the Roman occupation of Palestine. Jesus called some bad boys to be his disciples because Jesus understood that the reign of God would be a community that is called together from every family, language, people, and nation, saints and sinners alike. It was Matthew and others like him that Jesus said, follow me. And amazingly, they got up and followed. 
Jesus changes. Matthew changes. And the word for this interchange is conversion. Conversion is about having more and more space in our mind and heart for other people of this world whom God loves. Having an open mind and heart to hear differing opinions and beliefs. So how do we open our minds and hearts? Well, I am very excited this morning because I'm pretty sure it was just a matter of time before one of the three of us would do what I am about to do. Colleagues, any idea what I'm about to do? They look scared. I am going to quote Ted Lasso. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> if you haven't become a gushing Ted Lasso fan like yours truly, let me just say that in my eyes, Ted, the sappy sweet fellow with a big heart and an even bigger southern twang, thrust into the English culture of football, we call it soccer, was just the perfect feel-good character and series I needed in the depths of the pandemic. And if you are a Ted fan, you may remember the darts scene, when he is challenged to do a game by a big-headed, overconfident know-it-all who is quick to belittle Ted and anyone else he can lay into. In the middle of the darts match, Ted quotes Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. He goes on to explain, all those fellas that had belittled me when I was young, not one of them was curious. They thought they had everything figured out, so they judged everything and everyone. Well, Ted finally realized that when they understood him, it really had nothing to do with Ted and it had everything to do with them. Be curious, not judgmental. Thank you, Ted Lasso, for that important reminder. Now, being curious doesn't mean we have to let go of what we believe, but we do need to be curious about what others believe, even maybe especially when those beliefs are ones we don't agree with. Zachary Wood is known as the crusader of dialogue. While attending Williams College, he headed up a group known as Uncomfortable Learning. He actually sparked a national controversy for inviting provocative speakers to campus. Well, Zachary, a black man, even invited writer, journalist, and political commentator John Derbyshire to speak. Derbyshire wrote an article about what non-black parents should teach their children, such as do not attend events likely to draw a lot of black kids. Stay out of heavily black neighborhoods. Do not act the good Samaritan to blacks in distress. Zachary said, I knew full well that I was giving someone a platform for ideas that I despised and rejected, but went on to explain why. Tuning out opposing viewpoints doesn't make them go away because millions of people agree with them. In order to understand the potential of society to progress forward, we need to understand the counter forces. By engaging with controversial and even offensive ideas, Zachary believes that we can find common ground. If not with the speakers themselves, then with audiences they may attract or even indoctrinate. Through engaging, he believes that we may reach a better understanding 
a deeper understanding of our own beliefs and preserve the ability to solve problems, which we can't do if we don't talk to each other and make an effort to be good listeners. He believes it's worth the discomfort, it's worth listening, and that we will be stronger, not weaker, because of it. A pastor put it this way, when people enter into difficult conversations with honest love, able to deeply disagree without questioning the human dignity of the other, they have chosen who they belong to. They belong to love, reconciliation, God. If we are to be followers of God, we must do the hard work of giving ourselves to the God of life and love. Which begs the question, what is our willingness to be disturbed, to have our beliefs and ideas challenged by what others think? How willing are we to admit we don't know something? Because we've been trained by our society to not admit we don't know. Discovering how to say, I don't know, was one of the greatest gifts I learned teaching Sunday school many, many years ago. They're not kidding when they say children ask the darndest questions. Deep listening means we have to be willing to let go of certainty and let ourselves even feel confused. We've spent way too much time only listening to people or ideas that we know we'll agree with. I read this week that our emotional, relational, and economic stressors are not like anything else we have ever faced. Part of what makes what we are all experiencing so difficult is this feeling of powerlessness that we have to make things better. Well, the author of this article suggested that this is when listening becomes even more critical. But it also made me wonder if it's those very stressors that make it so difficult to truly listen to one another. When the world around us feels so out of control, it seems to make us want to hang on even tighter to whatever we think we do have control over causing us to cling to our beliefs, our opinions, making us less and less willing to even be able to listen to opinions that differ from our own. But as we heard from Proverbs, to know wisdom, to understand insight, to receive instruction in righteousness, justice, and equity, let the wise hear. I had an interesting experience this summer listening to someone I knew I would probably agree with, but while sitting next to someone who I knew might not. Well, my husband Dave and I share the same core values, but our beliefs on certain topics are sometimes vastly different. I invited Dave to a lecture on a topic that was of interest to me and with a speaker that I admired. I realize now that I also hoped that Dave's opinions on this particular topic might be changed a bit by listening to this expert. And it was challenging to be sitting next to someone I cared about, but knowing that most of what was being said wasn't something he agreed with. And it made me listen to I tried very hard to think about what was being said and how it might land on someone who didn't necessarily agree with the speaker. It actually seemed to be going pretty well, and just by his body language, I could tell Dave was listening attentively. But then it happened. 
the speaker said three times in rather rapid fire succession. Well, you know, those Republicans. Half of America had just been lumped together into a category, and by doing so, the speaker assumed that all Republicans fit the description that he was outlining. Dave, and rightly so, said afterward, you know, it's really hard to be open to someone's beliefs and opinions when the speaker had stereotyped a whole group of people and labeled them like the speaker had. Well, the opportunity that was missed in this story was the chance to engage with the speaker after to say, you know what, we were with you until you threw a whole group of people under the bus. And there is another lesson here as well, not about not only how we listen, about, but about how we speak to one another. It never seems like a good idea when we make such vast assumptions about an entire group of people, you know, like those women, or those teenagers, or those tree huggers, or those Christians. But if Zachary Wood, a black man, is willing to try and engage in conversation with a white man who suggests that white parents should keep their children away from gatherings where there are a lot of black kids, we should be encouraged to try and engage in difficult conversations as well. We may not change our minds, and in some cases it will be better if we don't, but maybe we'll learn something new about someone. We may not agree at all with the other's opinion, and yet we may find some common ground on other things. We may gain more empathy and understanding through engaging with unfamiliar perspectives. Maybe we even experience our own conversion story of a more open mind and heart. And maybe it simply begins by being more like Ted Lasso, more curious, less judgmental, and therein lies our hope. May it be so. And now we 